0: Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: I put down my hat. I put down my phone. I put down my wallet. I've got one glove in my left hand, and I'm looking around for my other glove. I can't find my other glove and I'm about to go outside back into the car where I must have left the glove or on the way from the car to the house where I must have left the glove or it must have fallen out of my pocket when I realized the glove was in my mouth.
0: (laughs) At Ingleside at Rock Creek, we believe that enhanced lifestyle is really giving our residents
1: options. Oh, yeah. The the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now one of the options is a third glove so when the one is in your mouth <laughs> you can find the other. Kornheiser two.
2: table for two for yeah. the 415 seating <laughs>
1: yeah yeah michael is back with us after a week in south carolina so happy to have him back i just read this one email to begin with this is from dan gould at independent lake camp independent lake camp is the old is the camp on the old camp kiuma site and I guess, is it Dan Gould, does he write Camp Kiyuma in the top there? Is that him? That's him, yes. Well, he spelled Camp Kiyuma wrong twice. He spelled <laughs> he it wrong got twice. Got your attention. <laughs> yes, yeah. he did. Tony, I'm a big fan. Love listening to your take on sports. Thank you, Dan. I'm the owner of Independent Lake Camp, which is in Orson, Pennsylvania, on the old Kiyuma location. It would be an honor and so much fun to have you visit this coming summer or any summer. Is there any way we can get you there? It'd be great to meet you. You haven't been there for the reunions that have happened over the last 15 years. I'm pretty sure this is a long shot, but I had to give it a try. I was there for the reunion in 2013, uh, 10 years ago. Maybe there will be another reunion. I'll be honest. It's not, you know, everything's changed. It's not what I remember. The land is what I remember, but things are built on it that are new. Things are torn down that meant a lot to me. So when I go through it, the last time I went through it, I said, you know what? It's, 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 it's done for me. It's done for me. I know how to get there. I loved every second I was ever there, even on the reunions. But it was sort of done for me at that point. I wish Dan Gould all the luck in the world uh, with Independent Lake Camp. Um, You know, I mean, I'd go up there in a Kiuma shirt if he wanted. But it it just... (laughs) Walking through it and seeing what was done to it. And by the way, what was done to it was perfectly beautiful. right. Just but it's it not from, mine. yeah. none, of, none mine. of the
2: symbols of camp, none of like none no. of the tennis
1: courts, the fields, they're all gone. Um, the tennis courts were still there, the basketball courts were still there uh they weren't being used yeah is your personal rowboat still there yeah no no i could i was not allowed to take a canoe because i was a non-swimmer and i had to get in a rowboat (laughs) Uh, i I had to get in a rowboat with a, a life preserver on at one point i was in the it was the crane area for the little kids then the frog area for the beginning swimmers then the pickerel area for the good swimmers and I was not, never allowed in the pickerel area because I was a non-swimmer. I could stand in the frog area every, when I got to be like six feet tall. <laughs> when
3: one we, time, one when time we I first went I on
1: Liz was alarmed to learn that I don't know how to
2: swim. And she said, but you went to summer camp. Yes, yeah, summer camp with a lake. Yeah. I was taller than the other kids, so I
1: could walk on the floor. <laughs> this the is what I did. I went out there one year when I was up there basically alone. It was a couple of weeks before camp started, and they were just doing work on the camp. And I went up there, and I did, in fact, swim to the raft in the Pickerel area and felt this was my most triumphant moment uh, in my camping career. And I was in my thirties at this time. And I got out to there doing my little funny breaststroke and, and uh, and then I came back in and that was it. I was done. I never went water skiing. My friend, Bruce Franklin was a water skiing counselor. I never went water skiing in my life because I was not allowed because you're out in the middle of the lake and even with a life preserver, if you're thrashing around like a maniac because you're terrified, Didn't they can't him. pull you back in the boat. So right. I was never allowed to do that. I always thought I could be a pretty good water skier. But, and it looked like great fun, but I never. Yeah, it is fun. I never learned how to swim well enough. Did you ever go water skiing?
2: Never went water skiing. Never did any of the boating activities. I always did like canoeing. You never went
1: out in a boat? Oh, no. yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I, I later have been in. We had news. the
2: buddy system where you had to have, you know, you have the buddies with the matching key so everyone could raise their hand for buddies. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. But I did none of the water, uh, none of the water activities. If you're a subscriber of the Washington Post, you might remember my camping experience <laughs> not being the most positive. <laughs> As I used to
1: true <laughs> self-harm, yeah. self-harm. Yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so you, is, there, is there something the about... The Bagamon you enjoyed, though. You enjoyed that in I Wisconsin. eventually learned to
2: love camp. And, and you I, learned I how really, to do wood stuff, which is and great. And actually, you know what? It gave me a lot of great uh, systems for when I was by myself uh, in a moment of difficulty throughout schooling, personal life, where uh, you were able to find quiet moments of reflection. When you describe this, I'm just thinking of the sunlight filtering through the trees at my own camp and the sounds that you're echoing across the hills. And I'm wondering, is there something about camp that's different than, say, your ability to go back to your Binghamton University or to high school or to a child at home just because the feelings are just
1: so different? The difference is that when I was in high school, I was already mostly formed. When I was in college, I was further formed than that. If I ever go out somewhere with my wife or my children... I'm the responsible adult. Camp, I was the one being nurtured. I was the child. I remember every blade of grass. I remember everything on that camp. For many, many years, I went there. All the trails, all the bunks, where the flagpole was, how it was raised every morning and lowered every night, um, and you were part of that. That was a ceremonial thing that happened. I remember everything about it. It was my womb and my nest and it's not the same and it's you know you can you can go back to an old house and it's been repainted or they've added on to it and you go that's that's interesting that's nice I've taken you back to old houses on Long Island look at that that's interesting not quite the same Uh, and there's a certain satisfaction in seeing it and seeing that it's being taken care of but camp if you change one thing you've changed my entire childhood So I just, that's me. That doesn't mean it's everybody's like that. Other people are not. But I spent, from the time I was four years old to the time I was 21, I basically spent every summer there. Eight weeks, all of those times, all those times. I didn't, I went to summer school one year and I went to another camp one year, but there was still the camping experience and summer school was 50 miles away because it was in Binghamton. Um, So for me, what Camp Kiyuma represented was something far greater than brick and mortar and wood it just was far greater and when you change it and you know and you change it a lot you're trying to improve it you're trying to get new people in there to enjoy that camp experience you see camp through the vision of your eyes not through the vision of somebody's who was there 70 years ago I completely understand that and I don't even want to be callous and say you've lost me it's not a question of you've I've lost me I mean I you know I know I know that across the street from the main entrance into the camp is is a cemetery, a small little cemetery. Uh, You know, I'm sure that that's still there, but I could go there and sit among the stones and have exactly what you're talking about, quiet moments of reflection, because then I would then look upon this camp, and I knew where every building was, and I knew who lived in them. My grandmother and my uncle lived in a particular building. My uncle and my aunt lived in a particular building. I mean, you know, they're not necessarily there anymore, and... um, so for me it's you know I'm not, I'm not going back and I wish this guy all the luck in the world just learn how to spell the old camp K-E-E-Y-U-M-A-H just learn how and to
2: spell it and you learn. were Bootsy's age when you started going there Bootsy, He's finishing younger. up
1: kindergarten I was younger um, I was four five that summer yeah I was younger is there a plaque sure. up there for you no there's nothing yeah there's a plaque 357 yards from the tee box which says Johnny Bench <laughs> hit this drive Yeah. So you're saying if I don't like camp, you'll come pick me up, right? I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up. I I understand camp. That's the deal. It thrilled me that my daughter loved camp. It thrilled me. And it it was disturbing that you didn't. And then when you found Nabagamon, I felt really good about that. Not that you had to go for the rest of your life, but you could find some worth in one of those camps. And you learned how to chop wood, which, by the way, is is a people skill that serves you well down the road. I love chopping wood, love whittling. I'm going to
2: keep your solo stuff stocked all winter long. So there you go. (laughs) Makes me happy.
1: Uh, Let me get to sports before we get into the show. Just one thing. I just want to say one, well, actually two things. One thing, the small thing is, the Washington team stinks. (laughs) The Washington team had two home games in a row. One against a division opponent, that was 1-4-1 and one heading into that game, and they lost that game to the Giants. Then they had the Cleveland Browns, who have nothing to play for. Out of the playoffs, nothing to play for. Every, every American should boo the Cleveland Browns because of Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson hadn't been good to this point, was better yesterday. And they lost that game. Yeah, They went to Carson Wentz, and he failed. I don't, I don't know what else you can say. I don't want to pile on, but he failed, right? He clearly failed, and now they're not going to make the playoffs. And I'm not saying you, you don't go to Carson Wentz. In hindsight, it didn't work. It yeah. just didn't sure, work. Sure, but
2: sit him after the first quarter when he's already he's tossed thrown two. two. He's
1: thrown two interceptions. You the entire stadium
2: we? chanting for Heineke, you know, and you have a coach who doesn't know that with a loss, they're likely eliminated. You know, they're out. They're right, out. but to see, to see his face when he goes, wait, what? And you have to have a reporter spell out how they might oh, that be Detroit eliminated. Detroit won yes. and
1: Green Bay won and somebody, yeah, and Seattle won. Yeah. So anyway, that was the small thing. The big thing is this: don't talk to me about the Minnesota Vikings. don't Chuck Todd. Don't don't talk to me about the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings. I know they've won. They are eleven and 0 still in one score games still. Because if it's a four score game, they're O and. They had. Don't don't talk to me about their comeback against the Colts. The Colts stink. The Colts are terrible. They're going to finish 4-12-1. and The Jeff Saturday experiment, fine to conduct it, failed. It failed. Don't tell me about the Colts and this huge comeback. Talk to me about the fact that the two pretty good teams they've played in the last X amount of weeks, the Dallas Cowboys, a good team, killed them. <laughs> yeah. Killed them. Mm-hmm. Largest margin of the year. And then the Green Bay Packers emerging as maybe the best team in the world right now. At least in the last Phillies on watch, last three or four weeks. Is that man again? Yeah, killed them, killed them. C I L L kill my landlord (laughs) to go back fifty years, Daddy Murphy. (laughs) Just they stink, Minnesota. If If you if you bet on them to get to and win the Super Bowl, you're crazy. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm saying you're crazy to make that bet totally crazy. They're no good. They're no good in in must-perform situations against good teams. You don't get the Colts in the playoffs, kids. No. They're not in the playoffs. You get Dallas at Green Bay. Yeah. That's who you get. You only get, unlike the NBA, where dogs can get in because there's only 30 teams in the league and 20 now qualify for the playoffs in one form or another. Unlike the NBA, in in the NFL... Only good teams get in because if they're not good at the end of the year, then they're not getting in. So that's just a mention, and I will shut up. Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser.
2: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
1: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: Well, I've been dreaming of the rainfall.
1: This is Adam Thomas, who writes, you all have been kind enough to play a couple of tunes by my sister Laura Thomas over the years. This time, I'm submitting a track of my own. The song is about what is, for my money, the best town on the planet, Austin, Texas. Although I don't live there, I'm in Chevy Chase. And as I mentioned in a previous email a long while back, I even once ran into Mr. Tony at the Brookville Pharmacy. Anyhow, hope you and your families have swelled 2023s. Hook 'em, Adam Thomas. This is called Town Lake Blues. Very lovely. Isn't it? And I remember Laura Thomas's work, which yes. is also very lovely. <laughs> nice to have a family like that. Right. Very nice. Town Lake Blues. Plays in Michael Wilbon. There's two big things we have to talk about. We have to talk about college football and pro football. I'm going to start with college football because Wilbon is associated with college football and a conference that has been, over the years, uh, if not a dominating conference, along with the SEC, the best conference. The SEC is better, and the Big Ten is second best, and the Big Ten puts people up every single year that are awfully good. And this year, the SEC did not get multiple teams in the college football playoffs, did not. And the Big Ten did, and deservedly so. And they both went out, and as Wilbon's going to tell you now, they both went out in great games. They were great games, right?
4: Tony is entertaining a a double session in (laughs) in college football as I have ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you just can't get two more entertaining games. Than those, you can't get two more dramatic games, two games filled with more intrigue and drama, and yeah. no, you can't. You, you just can't. I mean, it, w- it was breathtaking. um The nature of each game, and you just you, you just think, okay, this is it now. It's going to calm down. No, no, they never calmed down until you left the field.
1: No, they were just great, great games. And the Big Ten is out, and yet, to no disgrace, right? I mean, those. How would you do no, it? You're a Big 10 guy.
4: Michigan's is a little more uh, Michigan's a little difficult, more difficult to stomach Tony because it was against TCU. Right. Um and if there's a Cinderella, you know, team of the four, obviously, TCU. If there's a Cinderella team of the of the entire short history of these playoffs, I would suggest it would be TCU. Um and we knew they were good going in they lost they, they, they lost one game
1: in overtime in
4: overtime. yeah so no, so it's not like there's any shame in losing the TCU or the TCU is somehow you know dishonorable. no, but but Michigan was favored in that game. Um, Michigan is the school that just trounced Ohio State at home, you know in in Columbus, just crushed them and got into this playoff. I didn't see the. I mean, it was twenty-one to three, wasn't it?
1: It was. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I watched every single play of that game. Yeah. It's, the Michigan Wolverines left twenty-one ugh. points at the one. They got three. They should have had twenty-one. They win with any touchdown. They win the game. They left. They didn't leave them at the five or the yeah, fifteen. The goal they, line. They left them at the one. Right and, there. and and the first fourth down call was insane.
4: Yeah, because everybody tries to get too cute. It's insane going wide. You know, what are you doing? It's like, it's like you are the school of Bo Ah, uh, Yes. You know, 210 pounds of twisted blue steel, as he once said himself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not – you don't make that call. You don't call that play no. there. That no. That school. No. The school up north. And so, I, I, you know – Tony, it was, was, uh, for the conference, it was a a tough night. Um, And I was at a function, a black tie, New Year's Eve function, downtown at the Mayflower. And there's, you know, the guys there, you know, like, you know, 95% of them are crazy, lunatic sports fans like I am. And in that group, that night, there were people who, I was surprised there were a couple guys there who were, Ohio State trustees, mm-hmm. and part of me is thinking because that game's going on, and we're we're missing it. You know, but people have TVs on in their hand, or they're running to the bar every five seconds. But they some people have televisions on in their hand, including me on their phones. And I'm thinking, dude, what are you doing here? Like, you got to tell. I'm sorry, this is so this is so bad. You got to tell your wife, <laughs> I love you, honey. But we're playing for a national championship. That's right. I, I, I'm not i'm not I'm not going to be there.
1: No, I, you, you, I completely understand this. Time. My friend Ken Samet, he's a Michigan guy. He's a Michigan grad.. Yeah, you yeah. go down in a basement by yourself and you yes. watch
3: you
4: have yes, to.'t you, you can't you have to and, and 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 so tony the <laughs> the number of people in washington d c saying this is not in Chicago where you know you can find like half the Michigan alums and half the Ohio State alums. In Washington D.C., and people are pointing fingers, giving the score, giving the update. You know, um, you can read lips. It's the whole thing. And 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 when Ohio State is up eleven, you're like, okay, they're not gonna, they're not gonna lose this game. And then you hear somebody say, no, it's uh, it's four or whatever it became, and it's just like, oh my god, they're gonna do this. And um, I, I, I felt. I feel for my conference. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an alum of the conference. I have watched Big Ten football all my life, and I don't I don't most Saturdays. I'm usually cheering against Michigan and or Ohio State. Sure, if, if it's conference football, I'm not sure. usually cheering for them to beat Wisconsin or Iowa or Purdue or Indiana. I'm not. But in the case of a national championship situation where you got two schools in and you don't want to finish second to the SEC again. You got you got what happened that night. It was just but the games were the
1: games were great. Which were which surprised you more? Michigan. Michigan losing or, I mean, or you, the you, comeback. If you asked yeah, okay. me going in, I yeah. was
4: gonna tell you that it's gonna be Michigan, Michigan. Okay. against Georgia. Right. Georgia's gonna beat Ohio State, is what I'm gonna tell you. Right. Um and the to, for Michigan to be down like that oh. Was just and to have those plays and to fumble the snap and they got you know they kind of got hosed. Don't tell me that's not a touchdown. I thought refused. the pass
1: play. I thought he was in. I thought that was in, a, touchdown. a
4: touchdown. For for, for, for college football has been played 140 years. You know, for 130 of those, that's a touchdown.
1: You can't leave three touchdowns at no, the he, one. He you just can't. It's so. It, it's it's night. It's a nightmare. That is a nightmare,
4: right? Yes. Yes. The the night turned into, for anybody else who's just watching with no stake in it, you just come away thinking this is the greatest night of college football I've ever every, seen. S-
1: in the first game, every single time somebody scored, within 10 seconds, it seemed the other team scored. Somebody else
4: was going the other way. <laughs> I mean, TCU, you got to think Michigan's got the momentum like four different times. And, they, in the and TCU half.
1: went right down and got a touchdown. And they just come
4: right back with these massive plays
1: 80 yard plays. plays. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, let me get to yeah. the pros.
4: And, and a bunch of
1: things stand out, but one thing honestly stands out above everything else. He's 45 years old. He yeah. passed for 432 yards and three touchdowns. His yeah. team was down time and time again, and he found Mike Evans in the same route on the deep right side. He, it's, how can this be?
4: How? Well, two, two things, multiple things, but two things stand out to me. And obviously, Tom Brady is—he's great. He, he's the greatest thing out there. Tom Brady and LeBron are doing things right now that, of course, nobody's ever done. No one's ever done them at, at the, ages, at the that ages they are.
1: At the ages. Yeah. No one's
4: ever done them. Period. I mean, you—you you, you can but you can argue other things. I'm not going to say that alone makes LeBron the greatest player ever. I'm not going to say that. But LeBron's the greatest player over 35. Ever, not even, it's not close. And then, I think, and so was Tom Brady. And then I think, you know, I think the coaching in the NFL, head coaching in the NFL is dog-do. Um, illustrated, first and foremost, by what happened right here in, in Washington, D.C.
1: Yeah, you want to fire it's, the coach, and he was your I, boy. I, I
4: love the I, I know him a little bit. I like him a lot. I would hire Ron Rivera to coach my franchise. To be the face of my franchise, I would, I would. He's a member in great standing of the, the my the favorite team of my life, maybe in any sport. The '85 Bears, Ron Rivera, linebacker. Um, I would have that 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 starting Carson Wentz is about the dumbest thing you can ever you could do. And you know, I've been down on Carson Wentz That's going hard. back to when Years. he was good. Yeah, but subsequently, when people would tell you. You know, people who, who are very smart and get paid to analyze football for various networks, including the one Tony and I work for, they would argue that, you know, if somebody didn't have Carson Wentz in their top 100 players, that person should be fired from his job. And I would say, no, really, because he's, he's not. And he's not. And he's, he's not. And he's not been. And he's never been. And to start Carson Wentz, Tony.
1: At least get him out after, after the second interception. No, it's not
4: even that. No, no, no. You ruined your season by putting him in. The, the, Tony, look, I don't cover that team anymore. I don't cover pro football anymore. I, there's occasion I still have to talk to uh, people who are in scouting or assistant coaches who are in pro football, and I, I listen to them and they'll say something that's a nugget and I'll maybe sound smart by regurgitating it. I don't really have any observations of my own anymore. But I I, I know enough people, Tony, people have told me, this season, who know, they have said to me, Carson Wentz, they they don't want to play with him. The guys there, they don't really trust him, they don't really love him, they don't like him, they don't want to play with him. I've been told that. And I I don't even work at this, and I've been told that. So, Tony, everybody out there, they know that the other guy, and he's not Tom Brady, Heineke, he's not but his teammates like and respect him. They even It's beyond like. They really like playing for him and with him. And a quarterback at that position, that's the most necessary thing you can have at that position in, in, in any sport in, played in America.
1: Look at the Jets. They don't yes. want to play with Zach Wilson. They don't. They,
4: they, they, they don't no. want to play with him. No. And, he, and, and, so how, and so, okay, so you, you, you're tired of Heineke turning the ball over. I, I get it. I get it. he can't protect the ball. He's not great, Tony. He's not, per- he's not perfect, he's not great, he's flawed. He's a kid out there doing, giving you his best. But the kids in the neighborhood, they like going to the park with him. They don't like going with the other dude. And you can hear this all over the network going into yesterday's game from people who still who cover it, and former players and that you have great respect for, they, they, they do this for a living, and they go, "No, no. You really can't have him out there. <laughs> and yeah. what, he doesn't turn it over?
1: No, he does. He's Obviously got he does. people
4: fired. This guy. Yeah,
1: he's, yeah. All right, let he me makes get...
4: people look like fools by, for trusting him. I'll get you out of and here on this. you put him out there?
1: That's, he, that's, that's over. Yeah. me. So I'll get you out of here on this. It's your, oh. it's your division. And, and it's not even that Minnesota's a team of clowns, because they are a team of clowns. But right now, today, right now, this moment, it's possible... That Green Bay's the best team in the league, isn't
4: it? Like, no,
1: no. No. Okay.
4: No. no you not. think
1: they will lose to Detroit or beat Detroit because the winner I think is
4: they'll in. They'll beat Detroit at home.
1: Then the winner's in.
4: Um it's you know it's in Lambeau. That'll this be 5 in a row. Home. You know, this is part of what's really wrong with Minnesota and Detroit and it's going to be wrong with the Bears as soon as they build this stupid place that you go inside it's stupid. Mm-hmm. You don't want to win. You want to make money. And so You know, I I will root as hard for the Lions on Sunday as if they had Chicago on their jersey. That's how hard I will root for them to beat the Packers. And they won't beat the Packers. No, they won't. They won't. They will do some clownish (laughs) thing, and they'll lose. Now the Packers aren't that great. The Packers will get in the playoffs, and it's, it's it's a great story that the Packers will have done this for like the third time during the Aaron Rodgers era. Well, they have to run the table and get help, and they make the playoffs, and it's great. And they'll get their butts kicked in the first game. You think so? Yeah, I, I do.
1: Okay, but, I'm not sure.
4: But I, I, I you know, sure. you know, I don't trust Minnesota, and I think oh. more of Minnesota, a lot more of Minnesota than you do, and I don't trust them. <laughs> Clowns.
1: It's a clown team.
4: Yeah. It's well, so. no, you know, they're just not. They're flawed. But 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 the Packers-Lions, you know, I, I, I want to go to that. I actually want to take Matthew to that. We can't do that. He's got real stuff here in Washington at home. But that's a game that, no, people here don't understand that game on the East Coast and in the Mid-Atlantic. They don't understand the game or the emotions of that game or what it feels like. The only time I've ever had frostbite in my life Actual frostbite. I don't mean been cold growing up. I was always cold growing up. I didn't know any better. The only time I've had frostbite, I thought I might have to get medical attention, was at Lambeau Field. (laughs) yeah. Okay? And you know what, Tony? That was walking from the parking lot to the building. Just. With preferred parking, I got frostbite. (laughs) Okay? So people here who want to tell you how cold it is at 41... They don't understand what is going to go on at Lambeau on Sunday. And, I, and by the way, I don't even think the forecast, I don't think it's calling for anything appropriate. It should be 8 degrees, and the Lions should be literally teeth chattering as they walk in. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to face that. But that's, that's a real man's game right there. If I and was, the are going to do something yeah. if, new if I was the game, coach of the
1: Lions, I'd practice outdoors all week outdoors i wouldn't go Uh, in i wouldn't go indoors indoors all right i'll talk to you later michael wilbon boys and girls with the line that is a priceless line with preferred parking i got frostbite that's going to be the title of the podcast we'll take a break uh pat 40 uh will join us when we return i'm tony kornheiser
0: i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast
1: This is Brian Kenneth Swain, who writes A friend of mine recommended that I send you a few of my original songs for possible use on your podcast. Here are links to a few on my SoundCloud page that you might enjoy. This is called Today.
5: I've been with you through <laughs> Where's this guy from? <laughs>
1: you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? We'll be hearing from him again. This guy's got a theatrical voice. This is Steinman's song. Yeah, he's got that quality, doesn't he? Let's see if it's about to go up two octaves. Wow. Brian Kenneth Swain. It's called Today. If people like Brian Kenneth Swain want us to play their podcast music, how do they do it, Michael? Send us your music by emailing
2: it to jingles at com. I mean, seriously. Yeah, wow. he said it's a bunch of
1: songs. This I the never first hear these things till till <laughs> th- right. we just aired them. Right, it's, it's incredible. Wow, that's something. All right, Pat Forty joins us now. I just saying in the break, and I'll get to this. I just want to put it out there for you to think about. Stetson Bennett the fourth, one of the great names of all time. He's eighty years old. He was a, a walk on nine years. It's a walk on nine years ago. He's going to win two national championships very likely at this point. And he's not going to play a minute in the pros ever. So we'll get to that in a second. But let me start with this, Pat, because you watch all both of these games. Which to you was more surprising: Michigan losing, or the way Georgia came back?
3: Uh, Michigan losing was more surprising to me. I, I just I, it, it, it was unforeseen from from my point standpoint. I thought that they would just be you know physically superior to TCU right. and i just didn't expect them to to have the just bizarre you know breakdown situations that they had i mean see the ways that they found to not score or to throw touchdowns to TCU was like wh- what is this team that's not the team that i saw in person in columbus ohio just destroy ohio state so I sure didn't see that coming. Now I I I was impressed by, by Georgia's comeback, but Georgia has that clutch gene, I think. You know, they yeah. they they are a very hard team to beat, which is why of course they've won sixteen times in a row. But uh but the Michigan thing to me was much more dumbfounding.
1: Michigan left twenty one points at the one. In the first important call of the game, they did a play that you see in two-hand touch. What are you doing going why? What are you doing? 21 at the one. They got three. If they get any one of those touchdowns, they win. What do you make of that?
3: Yeah, I thought that, uh, I mean, there were some fluky circumstances, but there was just some terrible thoughts uh, there from Jim Harbaugh and his staff. I mean, yeah, know, that, that play I thought was a a terrible call that to me probably indicated overconfidence coming in this like, yeah, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll have some fun, be creative out
1: there. We're going to
3: win. This is not going to be a problem instead of just saying we're Michigan. We are bread and butter is running the ball straight at people. We're going to do that. And we're going to score here. And so they get too cute to begin with. Uh, They were too cute. Frankly, when the, when Roman Wilson was down or not down at the one, that uh, touchdown was overturned. I thought it was touchdown. Yeah,
1: I thought it touchdown. Yeah,
3: they they brought in their linebacker slash fullback and hand the ball to him there. That again is like, you know, I I thought that was overthinking in a little bit. Um, so I just you know I thought Michigan did a lot of things that were just very strange and and perhaps hinted that they didn't come into the game with the mindset that we're just going to play to our strengths and win and, and that's going to be our that's going to be our mission here today.
1: Did it say, does it say anything that the two teams that went out were both Big Ten teams? The Big Ten got two in for the first time in a while, and they both went out? Because they went out by one point. You know what I mean? They were such great games. Do you draw any conclusion from that?
3: A little bit. Um, You're right. I mean, like Ohio State, I thought Ohio State played its best game since the 2020 playoff. You know, better than anything they did last year, better than anything they had done up to this point this season. So I I was impressed by, really impressed by Ohio State. But the one thing I will say, if you look at Michigan's defense and Ohio State's defense, I think they play against a lot of bad offenses in the Big Ten. And you get into these situations against teams with good offenses, and they're not used to seeing them, other than each other. Right. There are not great offenses in that league. Uh, I've... Got a column actually up about the Big Ten's bust right now at si.com, and that's one of the things I you know I went through. There were only there are two teams in the top 34, I believe it is, in yards per play in the Big Ten, and that's Michigan, Ohio State. Then it drops down to Penn State, I believe, at 35, and or maybe even 40, and then uh, and then Minnesota, and then on down the line, and you get to a lot of direct. And I think there's just a lot of weeks where you don't have to be great defensively to win and all of a sudden then you're playing against different scheme and different skill level uh, from different conferences.
1: So let me give you my theory to explain this, that Michigan-Ohio State is the single most important game in college football every single year, and it is more important than Duke-North Carolina because you're not going to see them again in the playoffs because you're both in the same division. It's not the same. It is the most important game, and that it, you can recover from it physically, but I'm not sure you can recover from it psychologically. You put so much into that game that I don't think you can win the next game. Or, or in other words, not that you can't, but it would explain to me why they didn't. Do you put any stock in that reasoning?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I did touch on that in the column, too, that that game has has just overwhelmed everything else on yes. the schedule yes. for both teams. Yes. Uh, and I think especially for Michigan the last couple of years. And they could go ahead and, and half-step through a Big Ten championship game after that, because the Big Ten West stinks. And so That's you're right. beating a terrible Iowa team last year and a not very good Purdue, Purdue team this year. yeah And then, yeah, it's like, well, we've, we've planted our flag. We beat Ohio State. Now what? And I do yes. think even, even this year they tried to talk themselves into – you know we're emotionally past that, and we were we're we're not just happy to be in the playoff. We want to win a title. Well, I'm still not sure when you spend 365 days focused on beating one team one time. I
1: totally agree
3: that you move on that
1: easily. I totally agree with that. These games were great. Um, I now fear going to 12 teams. I now fear this completely. I think too many of the games will be lopsided? Or do you think the committee sits there and says, these games were great, wait till we get 12 teams in?
3: Um, I don't know whether the committee says that, but I still, I'm, I'm still in favor of 12. I like 12. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I think it'll have more teams and more fan bases involved and excited all the way through the season and I think that first round on campus sites is going to just be tremendous, um, and the court, you know I think we'll get some good games in there. I don't know, you know, we may get some semifinals that that are bad. We may get some other games that are that are bad, right. but we've already had that, right? You know? So I, this was this was the yes, this was a phenomenal day, and it was the day we've been waiting for from the playoffs since it started. This is the best game set of semifinals sure. in the nine-year history of the event. Um, and it was awesome, and we may lose a little bit of of what we saw uh, Saturday, but we we've seen that very rarely, frankly, in the playoffs so far.
1: Uh, Georgia defense, which annually sends five guys to the pros in the first round, got shredded. What do you make of that?
3: Yeah, a couple things. One, you know, I was at that game, and and again, I, like C.J. Stroud to me showed he's he's a. You know, a high-level NFL good. potential player. He's, He's good. really good. His receivers are outstanding. Um, but the thing that, that stood out to me is their line had been okay, and they handled Georgia's off the defensive line. Um, that Georgia's defensive line was unimpressive most of the game, and Georgia's secondary was unimpressive most of the game. And unless you exposed them a little bit in the SEC championship game, they're not as good defensively as they were last year. Their numbers were really good again, but they don't have the same personnel, uh, and they and they screwed up a lot. They made a lot of bad plays and bad decisions. It was interesting listening to Kirby Smart and the rest of the team after the game. They they were pretty well disgusted with themselves. Like they they knew they played well below their level of uh, recent play and got away with winning, uh, but they 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 were under no illusion that they played well against Ohio State.
1: What do you think of the final um, in terms of the, the committee? Is this the, is this the final the committee wanted? Or is TCU being in there, while it's cute, it's not the final that you want?
3: Right. I think the latter, from the committee standpoint and from ESPN's standpoint, probably, that they, they yeah. would much rather have one of those massive brand big audience, uh, Big Ten teams in there against yeah, Georgia. I agree. Um, yeah, you know, and to a degree, look, TCU, phenomenal, unbelievable story, the least likely playoff team we've had, and that includes Cincinnati. Because Cincinnati was really good in the years leading up to that. TCU was 5-7 and seven last year. They were unranked. They were predicted to finish 7th in this year's Big 12. So it's a great story, but it's a little bit like when – the second Butler team made the national championship game. Mm-hmm. Not the 2010 That's right. team with Gordon Hayward, but the next one that you know, Lost struggled by 30. to score 40 points yeah. Yeah, and just got crushed by UConn. So I'm not saying TCU's going to get crushed, but in terms of appeal and over, overall talent, look, if Georgia plays better, if Georgia plays its best game, they could get crushed.
1: I, I, was, I, I will say you know far more than I but when i heard the opening line i was really surprised it's really a lot of points
3: it's a ton it's, it's a lot it's at 13 uh, yeah.
1: and a half it's really yeah. a lot right it's a championship yes. Yes. game come on right they, they, they thinking, the only reason they were not undefeated is duggan couldn't stick the ball in on the on the overtime touchdown that he should have had or they're undefeated yeah. right
3: yeah i thought it would be like Nine. nine, something like that. I thought it would be single digits. Eight, nine. 19. Yeah, they're, they're, 13 and a half is a huge number. Wow. All
1: right, let me get to the really cool stuff. Is Ryan Day in any sort of trouble? I, I got friends who went to Ohio State. They just say he can't win a big game. And I go, whoa, what are you talking about? But they think he can't win a big game.
3: I think that's insane. I, I mean, to me, I thought he... He proved himself very well in that game. I, he made one call that I hated, and that was uh, when they got the ball down to the 31-yard line in the final drive there, and they ran the ball and got conservative instead of trying yeah. to get 10 more yards for their kicker yeah, uh, and left him with a 50-yarder. But other than that, I thought their game plan was great. I thought their execution was great. I thought their mentality was fantastic. Uh, the, there's, that's a case... Let's Ohio State fans that can't get past the Michigan game, right? Right. They, they're still letting their view be like they survived. Okay, they lost that. They were bad. It was real bad. But then they made the playoff, and then they played a phenomenal game and lost by one point where, like, three different things had to go barely Georgia's way by a couple of inches or yeah. by a second here and there. So, no, I, I mean – I, I would not say that about, about Ryan Day and about Ohio State at this juncture. I mean, you know, you lose a third straight to Michigan, that might be a different deal next year, but right now, no.
1: Okay. Lincoln Riley's kid brother, where's he going? He's got to get a job, right? It's a good question.
3: Uh, you know, not this cycle because they're all full, but yeah, keep your eye on Garrett Riley for sure. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously got the, got the family acumen. Um, and has done great work there, other than the fact that, that he and Sonny Dyke somehow decided to start uh, Chandler Morris instead of Max Duggan at the beginning right, of the year. Right, right. But, but their offense, holy moly, they're good. They're really good coaches.
1: See, I guess, uh, the, uh, one question I'll get you out of here on this. I don't even know if you know this. What kind of money, are we t- when, when these quarterbacks transfer, and they can get money, right? Name, image, likeness, money. How much money... For a quarterback to go to a new school,
3: you know, there's a lot of folklore out there, a lot of misinformation. There's, no, you know, there's no records that you can tangibly get hold of and say, "Well, this is how much." But I think the going rate at, in, in the high major leagues, you know, the, the top of the Power Five, is probably at least a million Jeez, uh, that's for, for a proven quarterback. Yeah, for a proven quarterback. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that's,
1: that's so. I, and this kid. Oh, I, I, I. I Tease this at the beginning. Stetson Bennett the fourth is likely to have two championships. Will he ever play a down in the NFL?
3: Mm, I don't think so. Oh, neither I do mean, I. <laughs> look, he's a wonderful story, like one of the best stories of all time. Yeah. And he's going to be, he'll be like Tommy Frazier and Tim Tebow in terms of this great college yeah. legend. He will never pay for a meal or a drink in the state of Georgia. He'll have his own Chevy dealership in South Georgia, you know, Stetson Bennett. Chevy, come on yeah. in and I'll get you a deal. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he will live a great life, but I don't think he's going to live an NFL life. Yeah. All
1: right, plug your podcast for us.
3: Uh, College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel and Ross Dellinger. Uh, it's the, I don't know whether we're 1A and you're 1B or the other way around, the two best podcasts in, in radio or, or in, in audio. But uh, we, uh, we enjoy doing it, and people can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all, all the usual places.
1: Thank you, Pat. Talk to you after the championship game. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Tony. Pat Forty, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
0: This is the Tony Kornheiser Show.
5: Said the orange man to littles everywhere. Listen to us. Listen to what I say. There must be free food and parking there. Listen to what I say. Listen to what I say. A box, a box, and a box of that. And leave two robes hanging on the rack. (laughs) And leave two robes hanging on the rack. there it is I was waiting for that line invite <laughs> me
1: Kirsten Olmstead. Uh, she had sent that before, and it's just wonderful. <laughs> Bend in the wonderful. notes. It's a great way to finish out the and holiday. She said, "Best to luck in your recovery from your back and leg pain." I too have a herniated disc in the L5 S1, and I know the pain. Yeah. Makes golf. Tough. Sorry. Oh God, yeah. I got to make a decision on that. Thank you to Kirsten uh bethesda bagels
2: got the sandwiches
1: today very happy about.
2: very that. excited great way to start off the new year we love
1: bethesda bagels you would as well just go to BethesdaBagels.com, bagels.com forward a location in the dc area nearest you then pop on in and you'll be thrilled Alrighty then that'll about do us do it for us today before we get to the mailbag let me just say i'm riding in my car you turn on the radio you're pulling me closer i just say no I say I don't like it, but you know I'm a liar, because when we kiss, ooh, fire. That's Bruce Springsteen's lyrics. The Pointer Sisters did that song. It's a spectacular song. Really. It's called Fire. And you heard the news about Anita, right? No. Oh, yes. She passed over the weekend. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, Anita Pointer. I saw them live at the Kennedy Center. I remember you saying how much you loved seeing them live. It was fantastic. Yeah. Didn't know about that. Sorry about that. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Pat Forty. Thanks to our sponsors today, Policy Genius, Butcher Box, Rocket Money. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From um, Gino Agnelli in Bedford, Indiana, a neighbor of Damian Bailey, who played for years for Bob Knight at Indiana. Love the new game, What My Dog Ate. Our 12-pound non-masculine Papillon recently ate an entire bag of Scrabble tiles. I fear her next walk could spell disaster. That's funny. That's funny. Keep potting, Grandpa. It keeps a lot of us going. Um, From Tim Blankenbaker in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Formerly Tim from Rockville from the WTEM days. Uh, Okay, I like this new game. Excluding frogs, rabbits, and worms. Things Polly has eaten. An iPhone charger. A tube of hydrocortisone cortisone cream, including the tube. Three feet of baseboard. 24 foam earplugs. Pack of sugarless gum, including packaging. Bootstraps from two pairs of leather boots. At least 10 sets of eyeglasses. Yes. <laughs> An amazing dog. That's impressive. From John Rognis in Oronico, Minnesota. I'm sure I pronounced that badly. For my birthday several years ago my wife gave me a one pound hershey's kiss before i could get to it our dog ate the entire thing including the foil wrapper (laughs) needless to say the foil made it very easy to find the poop in the backyard from Nick Milkey in Montgomery, Alabama. When I was in high school, my best friend's dog got into a trash bag of things that had been cleared out of his grandmother's medicine cabinet. Among the many treats the dog, Hershey, a black lab, found was a bottle of expired smelling salts. The dog proceeded to eat the entire container and then spent the next hour in the backyard hacking and coughing in a manner that can only be described as if a dragon ate a black pepper factory. <laughs> Fortunately, the dog survived unscathed but never again would go near bags of garbage. Lesson learned. From Josh Hirth in Cape Coral, Florida, our beagle mix, who is sadly no longer with us, named Satchmo, yes, named after you, Dr. Tony, got onto the counter and pulled down a box of the Girl Scout cookies, Samoas. But being that beagles are known bandits, he didn't destroy the box. Instead, he gently opened the box, pulled off the cellophane wrap tray out of the box, pulled the cellophane wrapper off of the tray and ate the remainder of the cookies that were inside, which was basically a full box, less four or five. When we got home, it looked like a human had carefully opened the box, pulled the tray of cookies out, ate said cookies and threw the garbage neatly on the ground. And just to prove that they were, he was clearly smarter than I was, he proceeded to do the exact same thing with the second box <laughs> that I had opened later in the evening the next time I turned my back. I sure do miss that little thief. Again... The Puna was a beagle, The and the Puna did that with the walnuts, and the Puna did that with the brownie mix. Opened the box, didn't eat the box, (laughs) didn't eat the cellophane, no. From (laughs) Brendan Borzelli, our friend in Lebanon, New Jersey. Adding to the dogs that eat ridiculous things discussion, our golden retriever may have set the record for the longest amount of time holding on to an object in their stomach. Sullivan ate a sock right in front of my eyes one night. I tried every trick to get him to barf it it up. And while he barfed up food, hair, and mulch, the sock never appeared. After trips to the vet and many worried nights, he finally barfed the whole thing up, nearly good as new. 18 days later, yes, 18 days later... Since then, he's vomited up socks, underwear, masks, and small t-shirts. The question is always asked, how long ago did he eat that? (laughs) From Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia, my dear friend Dave once had a cat named Corky. And one day a few Christmases ago, Corky was, let's say, lacking the holiday spirit. After several hours of wondering what was wrong, Dave noticed that her constant licking of her behind was due to the fact that there was a ribbon coming out of it. That's right. Corky had recently attacked some of the Christmas wrappings, devoured a (laughs) ribbon, and now was desperately trying to pass it. Dave rushed her to the vet, where they tried a number of laxatives and laxatives and exercises to help all to no avail eventually some medical tech came in and gave it a good yank and her gift wrap goodies came tumbling down she felt much better after that though not so much that she didn't first take a nice bite out of mr vet tech's hand the highlight of the story that lives on to this day is that upon seeing the doctor's notes after the visit dave noticed the phrase not comfortable with ribbon in anus unquote My wife and I often revive this phrase. Anytime that someone seems to be struggling with any great life challenge, knowing that one sometimes must bite or yank the bullet. Brilliant email. Brilliant. From Casey Spinks. This is long. And we'll do it. Uh, We'll save it for... We'll save it it for for the next show? We'll get it for the next show. Okay. The reason is uh, because there's one here about about Chuck and Roxy that I, I want to get to. This is from Carl and us. We go to New York, upstate New York. We and, love Carl. And Carl writes a lot. I use some of the holiday downtime to catch up on Chuck and Roxy's loyal little podcast. You really should think of giving them 10 minutes for a phone interview. I met them at the Syracuse Mets game. They're fun. Uh, you may know that some of their past guests, and, and everybody, you know, Chris and McManus and Dan Byrne and the Great Zucchini. The Great Zucchini? great zucchini. The Great Zucchini. I <laughs> can't even get him to my house. and <laughs> The Great Zucchini. Joe Arrow. You know what? Never mind. They have plenty of great guests. Maybe they'll give you a call when they have a slot to fill. Happy New Year. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white.
0: What's that, chicken? Every night is the chicken. Holy God almighty. I've been dreaming of the rainfall on branches twisting to the sky And I've been haunted by the memories of all the ghosts I left behind So I caught a train to Corsicana Headed southbound to 35 by all them blown out towns Didn't stop till I'd arrived This is the city of the moment Free of worry, free of blame But all the way from Louisiana I hear her calling out my name
5: Along the lower Colorado
0: There's a pool hall where I'm found Think I'll step down to the river Set my boots on solid ground Up on flat loop they're singing Just lead them safely to the light That pedal steel it cuts right through me every time Their voices echo through the night This is the city of the springtime Free of heartache, free of pain all the way from Louisiana I hear her calling me by name That setting moon is quite a sight She surely loved to see the show streets are empty as the dawn comes creeping in. I have nowhere left to go. i'm dreaming of the rainfall on a patch of green she likes to roam the blooms are giving way to summer i hear her calling me back
5: self-white you felt your